0: Thank you for being part of the Birth Story community. I am so excited for you to have this book in your hand once you've purchased it and it has arrived. I hope that you will give me your thoughts and feedback, and don't forget to take a selfie with your book and post it on Instagram and tag at Birth Story Podcast. All right. Welcome, Stacey, to the Birth Story Podcast. How are you doing today? Good. How are you, Heidi? Oh, I'm really great. I mean, we're in the middle of the pandemic when we're recording, and... It's the middle of the week, so I'll be honest, this is a really nice break for me to have left my children and come to the studio to record this. And I like went to Starbucks right. and I have coffee and it's like my mom's babysitting, so I'm really looking forward to just having this time with you this morning.
1: Stacy, tell us all about you. Okay, well, I live about an hour from Starbucks, so I have not had any Starbucks today. I'm Stacy and I live in I usually say the middle of nowhere, Montana, because we farm and ranch and we're an hour from town. And most of those miles are gravel roads. I am married to a farmer and we met tailgating at a football game. We were both past college, but we still went to football games and that's how we met. And we are married nine months after we met. And we have three kids. My oldest will be six on Sunday and he just started kindergarten this year. My second will be four in October, and my youngest is three months. And before I got married, I was a high school counselor. I call myself now a farmer's wife, and we raise wheat, mostly wheat, barley. We did chickpeas, lentils, flax this year, and we also have a pretty large cow-calf operation.
0: I love it. Well, those that have been listening to the podcast for a while know that my family and I vacation in Montana. My partner's family has a huge ranch in Montana also. And so it is our favorite place. It's our oasis. And during the pandemic, we actually drove from North Carolina to Montana. I recorded several episodes out there And it was really nice to be able to drive from East Montana all the way to West Montana and to be able to see the entire Mm -hmm. state. It was really fantastic. I'm really excited to dig into these three beautiful birth stories. The first thing that I noticed, though, about your inquiry into the podcast was that you had had a hospital birth, then you had a birth center birth, then you had a side of the road birth. So this is going to be a really exciting... Podcast, but I had a question on, was home birth an option for you where you were located in Montana since it was so rural? Did you have any home birth midwives that would
1: come to your farm? The midwife that I used, she would have come to our my house, which hindsight is twenty twenty, I should have just planned on that for the third one. But we're just so far from town that it just made me a little bit nervous that if something would go wrong, that we would be, you know, an hour from town and we would either need to get an ambulance out here or I don't know, a helicopter from the hospital. So I just felt a little bit safer to be at the birth center, which is just a few miles from the hospital, you know, if something did go unplanned.
0: Gotcha. That makes sense. I love home birth and I'm very passionate about home birth. And so I'm just always very curious about like what the dynamic is in different states and cities versus the one that I live in. So it would have been an option for where you are at in Montana. So that's really good to know. All right. Well, let's dig in. Let's go in chronological order. How about that? And then we'll get to this really exciting pickup truck birth. I just cannot wait to hear the details of it. But let's start with number one. So you're pregnant for the first time and you plan to birth in a hospital. So tell me all about... like getting pregnant, how your pregnancy was, and then how you decided to choose a hospital birth.
1: We got pregnant pretty quickly with our first, I can't really even say that it was planned, but it wasn't unplanned. So it wasn't that we were trying to get pregnant, but we were not trying to get pregnant. So we got pregnant really easily and I had a really easy pregnancy. I hardly had any morning sickness. It all went well. When I got pregnant at I had never really even thought about being pregnant so I hadn't really thought oh I'd want to have a midwife or a hospital and i just decided I'd call a OB and I made an appointment for to see an OB and just to do a hospital birth just because I didn't really know anybody who had had a birth center birth so it just seemed natural to me I guess because I'd never thought about a birth center birth and then around 32 weeks I actually started having some preterm labor and I ended up going to labor and delivery where they gave me a shot to stop the contractions and sent me home. And then two days later, I ended up back at labor and delivery because it was happening again. And they gave me another shot to stop the contractions. And then they ended up having me come back and I got two rounds of steroids to plump up the baby's lungs to make sure that if the baby was born early, that the lungs would be developed. And... So that was a little bit scary just because it kept happening, and I wasn't really sure if I would go into labor early and so then, every week at my appointment with my o b she would say oh i I'll be surprised if I see you next week, you know you'll probably have your baby early and every week went by, and we didn't know if we were having a boy or a girl, so every week went by, and I still was pregnant, and then I was almost to my due date, and I felt like that day that the day before I had him, it was the day before my due date or two days before, I started feeling like maybe I was having contractions, but it wasn't really significant. And my husband was really busy starting to seed winter wheat, which you plant in September, and then it grows over the winter and goes dormant and then actually grows again in the spring for anybody who's interested. (laughs) So that's what he was doing. So I didn't want to tell him we were in labor if it wasn't really true because he was already stressed and So I just kind of kept it to myself that day. And he came in the house about nine o'clock that night. And I said, you know, I think I might be in labor, but I don't know. And we don't have any self-service where we live, like not even like a half a bar. It's like zero self-service. And this was before we had radios for our operation. And so he said, well, why don't you come with me? Because I knew if he went in the tractor, I would have no way of getting a hold of him. So I went with him at 10 o'clock that night and we rode around seeding winter wheat. Until it got too uncomfortable for me to be sitting in the tractor bouncing around. So I went and sat in the pickup and while he and I tried to read a book. And about 45 minutes later, I was like, this is really happening. So I flashed the headlights on the pickup to signal to him to shut the tractor down that we gotta go. So he stopped the tractor. We went to the house. I took a shower and we drove to the hospital in town. It's about an hour drive and the bumpy roads are really hard when you're starting to be in labor. I feel like it, it just makes it really uncomfortable. And my husband said, he wanted to make sure I told you that I passed out while we were driving to town because it really scared him. I passed out across the center console and I think I just was holding my breath and not breathing properly.
0: People don't know this. It is very normal to pass out in labor from holding your breath. We just, you know, we're nervous or we're scared or we're feeling sensations we've never felt before. And our like first instinct is to close in and to, you know, and so it's just really important to like, okay, push your shoulders back, take a deep breath, put your belly out and just keep breathing. And it's really common to pass out during pushing too.
1: So we got to the hospital and checked into triage and I passed out again while I was on the examining table. But then that didn't happen again. So I must have got my breathing under control. So we got a room and just it was probably three o'clock in the morning. And I think my water broke around four or five in the morning. And then I ended up I started pushing a little after six AM and I pushed I didn't have an epidural and I pushed for a little around two hours and he was born at eight twenty two AM Everything was fine. And then we went home the next day, and my husband immediately went back to seeding winter wheat. That was my first birth.
0: Oh my goodness. Okay. I have a lot of questions about this birth before we get into the second one, but this is so cool. I mean, at 10 p.m., this is a relatively short labor. So, like at 10 p.m., you're riding around on the tractor, you're seeding, then you're still somewhat mm-hmm. able to like read a book in the pickup truck while you're waiting for your husband to finish working. And eight and a half hours later, about, you had a baby. That's yep. pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. The gravel road. You said that the almost the entire drive to the hospital is like bumpy gravel road.
1: Yeah, hour. it's about half. You know. oh, I can't so even tell 30 miles of gravel and 25 of highway.
0: Oh, that would have been a long 30 minutes though, or 30 miles of gravel. I mean, anyone listening to this podcast who has had a baby is cringing right now. We're like, oh, we know what you're talking about. Like that would not have been fun. But honestly, a movement, I mean, I would think that it would sort of the tractor ride (laughs) and then the gravel probably really helped like your child move down deep into your pelvis, you know, with all of that movement. So how cool looking back on your first birth, what is your favorite memory from that whole experience?
1: I really, I just loved being pregnant. Like I know, I hate to talk about that too much because I know some people have such hard pregnancies, but I just felt really good and just, I don't know, it was pretty amazing, you know, to be pregnant for the first time and feeling a, a baby move inside of you and I felt good. And so it was just really fun and seeing my belly get big and Just the whole experience was pretty. It just was really, and I will never forget. You know, after we had our son, and and I think part of me, I thought we would have a girl, and we had a boy. And I just remember what my husband told me afterwards. He was just like he was so amazed with me, and he was like he said, "There's no way you can't not believe in God after watching someone give birth because it's just such a miracle," you know. And so that was all really nice to hear. You know, my husband was so proud of me that you know giving birth, and so just the whole experience, honestly, was pretty amazing. Okay. Before we move on to the
0: second birth though, I was hoping that you may give a little bit of insight into preterm labor. So for anyone that's listening, like what the signs of preterm labor are and kind of what that instinct feels like to let you know something's not right here and I should go ahead and head to the hospital. So could you just describe like for those first two preterm labors, what you experienced and how you knew when it was time to make a move to get help?
1: Yeah. So I had had some Braxton Hicks but before that. And so I remember I was sitting in church. It was a Sunday and all of a sudden I started feeling like I was having contractions, but they were happening consistently. And so I remember watching the clock on the wall at church and timing them. And that was how I really knew that it was something that I maybe should go in to get checked for because they were having, becoming, they're consistent and I could time them where with Braxton Hicks, they're erratic, you know, and it probably helped too that my husband and I had done a birthing class and we had just finished it like a month before. So all of this stuff was fresh in my mind about timing contractions and how far apart they are and if they're lasting for close to a minute or if they're more like 15 to 30 seconds, which is more like Braxton Hicks. And so these were like lasting 30 seconds, 45 seconds. So it wasn't full labor, obviously, but, and so it also helped that my husband, his brother, one of his brothers is a doctor and he happened to be visiting from Seattle at the time. And so he, I told him about it and he's like, well, it probably wouldn't hurt to just go in and get checked. And he actually told me, he's like, I would check your cervix. He's like, but that make, might be kind of weird. So we didn't do that. And so I went to labor and delivery. So I would say for me, just the timing of them was kind of what tipped me off that, that I was able to time them, that they were consistent was what made me feel like I should go in.
0: I think that's really good advice. And so if anyone's listening that is pregnant right now, it's normal to have Braxton Hicks, it's not normal to have consistent, timeable. Contractions before 37 weeks gestation. And especially some people will say, like, a back pain that comes and goes, right? Mm-hmm. The reason it's so important to get to the hospital or to call your midwife or go to the birth center, wherever you are, have chosen to, to birth, is because there are little interventions, like when they said they gave you an injection or an IV. And so mm-hmm. just giving a little bit of medicine, some IV fluids rest can stop preterm labor with early interventions. And so I'm really glad that you were able to go both times. And then I will say this, in my experience with preterm labor, they typically will stop it one or two times like they did in your case. But if your body goes into preterm labor again, they typically do not stop it the third time. Some providers won't stop it a second time, but they typically don't stop it the third time. And that is because we know that nature is smarter than medicine. And so if your body is consistently trying to, you know, deliver your baby early, it's because your body knows something that we don't know, meaning that your baby is likely safer on the outside than it is on the inside. And so they'll usually stop those two times like they did for you. But that third time, they'll just keep you and try to keep you pregnant as long as possible before you know, delivery being imminent. So I'm so glad that you got to go home. And it is really interesting that you went all the way to 40 weeks because common misconception is that preterm labor leads to early baby. And I have had preterm labor clients... That then had to be induced at like 42 weeks. Okay, I just wanted to touch on that because that was a really unique part of your story that other people need to hear.
1: So let's talk about baby number two. We got pregnant on the first month of trying. And so they actually, he was, his birthday September and then she was born in October. So two years apart. That was really easy. So I got pregnant easily and I had a really easy pregnancy. We did find out the sex. We found out we were having a girl. It was my idea to not find out the first time what we were having. And my husband was fine with that. But then he thought, well, we already have a boy. He's like, let's find out what we're having. So we found out we were having a girl the second time. And so then I didn't really know, you know, with the preterm labor, with the first was kept, you know, at the back of my mind, like, is that going to happen again? And I actually really don't remember having very many, if at all, Braxton Hicks with her. So I got to 40 weeks and I'm trying to remember if I was even dilated at all by the time I got to 40 weeks, which was a really big difference from my first pregnancy where I was dilated to a three from like 33 weeks on. And so that was really a big difference. And so I got to 40 weeks and nothing was happening. There was One time, when I thought maybe I was going into labor, I started having a little bit of contractions, but then after a few hours, they stopped and didn't start back up again. So, or the day before, I was 41 weeks. I went in for a a regular weekly with my midwife. Decided to change to a birth center for the second pregnancy. I don't have anything really bad to say about the hospital. I had a really a good birth there. The only thing I didn't really like was I had planned on having a natural birth and not having an epidural. And I just kind of remember in the back of my mind, every time the nurse would come in, she would ask me if I wanted an epidural. And I said no. And I had told them no. And I, that just was kind of hard to keep getting asked that question when I had already made up my mind, which I realized they're just trying to do their job. And if I had changed my mind, but I just didn't want to be, get, keep getting asked that question, I
0: guess. It's really interesting that you say that because I hear this all the time on the podcast, And this never happens with me because I think that when you walk into the hospital with a doula, I think it's just understood that your birth plan, that number one, you're going to have a birth plan and it's written and people are going to see it. But number two, if that birth plan says natural and you have an epidural, like they do not ask. Like I have never been at one single birth where they were like, honey, are you sure you don't want an epidural? I mean, probably because my job is to like advocate against that, you know? but i think this right. is so important because like in this case like you chose to go to a birth center and we're going to get in a little bit deeper into that decision but for those that they don't have a birth center available or home birth not an option and they are delivering at a hospital if you want an unmedicated birth put it in writing make a birth plan if you need a birth plan template i've got one at birthstory.com you can download it for free but put it in writing have your partner or you know whoever you're birthing with give it to the labor and delivery nurse if there is a shift change give it to the labor and delivery nurse and put on there like do not ask me for pain medicine you know and i've i have found that with some friends that maybe I wasn't their doula but mm. some friends that were birthing and they had a good written birth plan they didn't get disturbed out of that unmedicated rhythm so I'm sorry I interrupted you, Stacey. I just wanted to say that. Continue on. Tell me all about like
1: more about that decision to birth at this birth center. Maybe this is silly, but I really hate IVs. And when I was in labor with my first, I think it took them like four or five times to stick me to get the IV in. And I just remember you know, having contractions and being poked and I hate needles. And so I knew if I went to the birth center I had kind of done a little bit of looking at that when I was pregnant the second time I, or I guess not when I was pregnant, before I got pregnant, I kind of started thinking about that because I knew I wouldn't have to have an IV at the birth center. And I had already done a natural birth without an epidural. And so I knew that I thought I could do that again. And so I felt like, well, it just made sense to switch to the birth center. And I went when I was about eight weeks pregnant, I went to the birth center and interviewed the midwife there and we talked and I didn't even really know what to ask her, but she said, well, what you should ask me is how many babies I've delivered and how many babies I've lost. And she said she's had delivered over 3000 babies and she had lost zero. So I just felt like it would be a good fit for me. There's like a bedroom basically where you deliver instead of a hospital bed and There was a tub you could labor in. And it just felt like it would be a good fit for me. And I really liked every appointment. I always saw my midwife, but it never was a different doctor if my doctor was gone. And I knew that my midwife would be the one to deliver, where at the hospital, I had seen my doctor for nine months. And then when I went to deliver, she wasn't on call. So the doctor that delivered my baby was someone I had never even met before. So anyway, so my pregnancy, everything went well, 41 weeks. I told her, I was like, I'm feeling like I'm really done being pregnant. I'm just really tired. And what can we do? So she gave me a quarter of a pill of Cytotec. And so she doesn't use Pitocin. And so she gave me this pill and I put it under my tongue and went home. And then in the morning, we got up and I took another quarter of the pill on our way to town. And then when I got there, I think I was, must've been dilated a little bit when we got there, like two or two maybe. But so she broke my water and then she told us to go walk around town for a little bit and then come back when I felt like contractions were getting more uncomfortable. So we went to the park and we walked around for probably an hour. And at one point I sat down on a park bench and I told my husband, I said, if I ever tell you, I want to have another baby, remind me how much this hurts. And so That was when I knew we probably should go to the birth center. So we went back and I think I must have been dilated to like a five or a six by then. So I labored in the tub for probably a half an hour, 45 minutes before I just felt like that wasn't feeling good anymore. And so then I got up and kind of paced around the room a little bit. And then I remember just feeling really nervous or anxious about having to start pushing again because I pushed for two hours with my first. So I just like didn't even want to start pushing because I was scared I was going to have to push for that long again. And my midwife was like, you're not going to have to push that long. She you know, was really encouraging. And so when we got to the birth center, it was 8 a.m. and she broke my water. And then at 11.30, I started pushing. And then my daughter was born at 11.45. So I pushed for about 15 minutes. And I just remember like telling her that I was scared, you know, and she was like, it's not going to be that long. And, you know, and, and it wasn't. And so I pushed for a few times and then we, at the birth center, you don't spend the night. You just stay there for a few hours to make sure that the baby's doing okay and that you're okay. So we stayed there for a few hours and then we went home probably around four or five that afternoon.
0: Hey, it's Heidi. I'm interrupting the podcast to let you know about a free resource that I've created for you at birthstory.com. All you have to do is go to birthstory.com and then click the tab that says the workbook. Once you put your email address in, an entire resource library of all of my secret sauces are available to you for free as my thank you for listening to the Birth Story podcast and being part of this community. At birthstory.com, under the workbook, you will find a birth plan template, articles on circumcision, delayed cord clamping, flipping a breech baby, packing your hospital bag, acupressure points, placenta encapsulation, and so much more. There are over 20 free articles ready for you to download at birthstory.com. Now, let's get back to this amazing episode. What an incredible birth. Stacey, 15 minutes of pushing. That's good. That's efficient is what it is. But this is just, this just so much speaks to birthing at a birth center and birthing with a midwife, right? Like here are some things that we can do that are not continuous monitoring on Pitocin. Like with my clients, because I'm not a midwife, I recommend doing herbal inductions. So we do a lot of red raspberry leaf tea enemas and castor oil and blue cohosh, motherwort tinctures, like some, just some different herbal things. The castor oil, uh, I think that's kind of like really what puts everybody over the edge. But here you are like with this midwife and she's got this, you know, this unique thing, which is just take a sprinkle of side attack, which is a pill that's a prostaglandin, helps your uterus to contract. But then she sends you home. She doesn't, keep you there for continuous monitoring. And then she breaks your water and she doesn't keep you there for continuous monitoring. She's like, go out in this beautiful October in Montana and walk around this park and then come back and have your baby. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm jealous is what it is. Mm -hmm. What an incredible experience. So now you are a family of four with two mm-hmm. pretty kick-ass birth stories. And were you planning to expand your family and, and have a bigger family?
1: You know, we had talked about, I had we had gone back and forth on having a third and there was one point where I was ready, I felt like to have a third and my husband said, no. He said, we've got our hands full with two because I was thinking of keeping them two years apart, all of them. And he, had, I think at that point, just felt like we were pretty... Had our hands full and kind of, I was really overwhelmed with two. And he said, I don't think right now is a good time. And so then a year later, maybe not quite a year, then I was feeling like, or he was then feeling like he wanted a third. And I had kind of felt like, I don't know if we should have a third because I was feeling like we were in a rhythm with two kids. They were starting to be a little bit more independent. And I just didn't know if I wanted to go back again to having a baby. So then, We both got on the same page and we started to try to get pregnant and it didn't happen. And then I ended up actually, this was just last year. So I had to have knee surgery and my doctor told me that if I was pregnant, he wouldn't be able to do the knee surgery. So we had to put off trying for a couple months. And then we tried for three more months to get pregnant and we didn't get pregnant. And so I was feeling pretty discouraged because I had gotten pregnant so easily With my first two, that I we kind of wondered maybe if it just wasn't meant to be, and we both agreed that since we already had two kids, we weren't going to do any like fertility treatments or anything. It was just if it didn't happen and it wasn't going to happen, and honestly, we basically stopped trying, and we hadn't talked about it. So August is when we do a lot of our harvest, and so we didn't even talk about it. We didn't even really try to get pregnant because my husband is never home, and so then the next month we got pregnant and we weren't trying. I wasn't tracking my cycle really anymore. I wasn't doing the ovulation sticks. And so it was a little bit of a surprise when we found out I was pregnant because after months of trying and getting negative pregnancy tests, and then all of a sudden it was like, wow, how did this happen? So that was our third pregnancy. And so by that point, our kids were three and five. Then it was kind of like, oh my gosh, are we, we're really, it kind of felt like our kids were going to be more spaced apart than we had originally wanted them to be. So that was a little bit, I was a little bit nervous about that, but it obviously worked out how it was supposed to.
0: Turns out to be a blessing though, as you know, now when you have little older helpers.
1: Right. Yes, (laughs) it is.
0: So you get pregnant. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, surprise-ish. And then tell me, did you have a relatively easy pregnancy again? Any signs of preterm labor this time?
1: This pregnancy, I felt like was my hardest. With I was sick, the, the most sick I'd been with any of my kids. And it wasn't even really terrible. I don't like to complain about that because I know some people are so much, have so much more morning sickness. But for about the first trimester, I was sick, which was different than my first two pregnancies. And we had decided for the third, that since we already had a boy and a girl, that we wouldn't find out if what we were having for the third pregnancy. And so I just felt a lot more sick the third time than I had the others. But then I didn't have any preterm labor. I did have a lot of Braxton Hicks. When did the Braxton Hicks start? Oh, I, with this pregnancy, I would say it was around 35 weeks, 35, 36 weeks. So I had Braxton Hicks from the end on. And having, you know, already had two babies and my first baby went to basically 40 weeks. My second pregnancy was 41 weeks and I was induced with that pregnancy. So in the back of my mind, I just I never I figured I would go at least to my due date with this baby or even past my due date. And so the day before I went into labor, my husband and I, we had gone out with the kids on our side by side, the ATV to check crops. And so we were bumping around the fields and I was, I had had an appointment that week on Tuesday and I actually didn't have my midwife check me. She doesn't check you every time unless you ask to be checked. And I had had her check me the week before and I was dilated to a three. And then I didn't have her check me that week. I was just feeling really uncomfortable and tired. And I just was thinking it wasn't going to do me any good to have her check me again because It's kind of uncomfortable to be checked. And I thought it really didn't matter. I was only 38 weeks pregnant. So I still probably, I thought I still had a few more weeks to go. So that night I couldn't sleep. I had a lot of insomnia. And so I basically, I sat in a chair the night before. And actually I was like on TikTok because I couldn't sleep. So I was watching TikTok videos and I finally got into bed around midnight and then around 5:30 i woke up and i felt like i was having maybe contractions but i still was thinking it was just braxton hicks but i did get out my phone and got out the contractions timer in my app and started timing them and they were probably 5 to 6 minutes apart but they weren't lasting all of them you know weren't lasting a full minute and they weren't i wasn't in pain and so i just felt like well i don't really know and so at that point i was 38 weeks and 5 days And so I thought there's no way that I'm really in labor because my, none of my other pregnancies have gone that early. And so I got up at six and I told my husband, I might be having contractions, but I'm not really sure. And so he said, well, should I call my parents? And so his parents, we all farm and ranch together, but his parents live about three miles from us. And so he said should i call my parents to tell them that they might need to watch the kids and i said no i said i don't really think i know that i'm in labor so let's not get everyone excited and i think in the back of my mind i kept just thinking like how embarrassing it would be to not really know if i was in labor or not for my third pregnancy like that i felt like i should just know for sure that i was in labor and i just didn't have that feeling of knowing that i was for sure in labor so the kids got up around 7 and asked me to make them pancakes, so I made pancakes. And partway through, when I was cooking, I kind of was like, "Well, maybe I should get in the shower." So I had my husband come finish making breakfast, and I got in the shower and kind of, you know, swayed around a little bit in the shower. And but I still wasn't really in pain, and so I just kind of thought, "Well, we'll just kind of head to town sometime this morning."
0: Did you have ate. any bloody show or like mucus? No, nope. nope. no, I, I didn't.
1: And this is like silly on my part because obviously my midwife is, does deliveries all times of day. But in my mind, I think I still was just like not sure I was in labor, but I felt like I should at least wait till eight o'clock to call her because I thought it would be rude to call her before 8 a.m. <laughs> and so at eight o'clock, I called her or no, it's like 8.15. I called her and I said, hey, I think that I might be in labor. I'm not really sure, but we're going to head to town. And so she said, well, how long does it take you to get to town? And I said, an hour. And she said, okay, I just want to make sure I have time to shower before I head to the birth center. And so I had actually hired a birth photographer was supposed to come and do birth photos. And she had actually texted me the day before and just said, Hey, I was just checking in. I was making sure if you were having any signs of labor. And I said, no, no signs of labor. I said, I don't think I'll have this baby anytime soon. So then that morning that I was I texted her and I said, Hey, funny story. I said, I might actually be in labor. We're headed to town. And she said, okay, I'll meet you at the birth center. So then I tried to call my mom and my parents live out in Wyoming. They're about six hours away. And she didn't answer. She was at work. And I think I, I don't even know if I left her message. And then, so at that point, I was really kind of feeling like maybe something was happening. And so I went to the bathroom and I sat down on the toilet and nothing. And it was just like the sitting on the toilet. I just like had a, it just was like a moment where I felt like, okay, this is really happening. Like, I remember calling for my kids. My husband was in the garage getting the pickup ready to go. And I called to the kids. I said, hey, go get your dad. And nobody answered me, of course. And so I yelled like a little bit louder. I was like, kids, go get your dad. And so they ran to the garage and got my husband and I think he knew at that point it must really be happening because I was starting to I, you know I'd yelled for him to come in the house. So I finished packing my bag for the birth center, which it was my third pregnancy, so I hadn't even finished packing my bag. And so I got everything packed and we got in the pickup. We left our house probably at eight twenty that morning and it took about five minutes to get to my in law's house. And it had rained the night before so the Gravel roads were muddy roads, and so it was makes it a little bit more difficult. So I remember sitting on the edge of the front seat, holding onto the handle above my head as we were bumping along, and the kids, you know, were asking if I was excited, and I wasn't talking because it was starting to get a little bit more painful. And so my husband said, Yeah, your mom's excited, but she's also in a little bit of pain, and so it was still raining a little bit. So we get to my in law's house, and we basically just opened the back door of the pickup and told the kids to go inside and we didn't walk them in or anything we just told, waved to them goodbye and my husband looked down at the fuel gauge on the pickup and it wasn't it, there was enough gas to get to town but just barely and he said should I put some gas in before we go because we have both fuel tanks in our my in-laws yard and I remember I just was like no just go because at that point I felt like things were really picking up so we start driving and so it's probably about 8:30 that we 8:30 830, 8:35 that we left my in-laws yard and so at that point we had 30 miles of gravel and about it's kind of complicated I guess I don't know so there's two different ways to get to town from our house and so if you go from our house it's less gravel and more highway but if you go from my in-laws house it's more gravel and less highway so it's about 30 miles of gravel and 15 miles of highway from their house So we start driving and I remember feeling like the contractions were really picking up and I would turn around and I would face the back seat of the pickup and just wrap my arms around the back seat as I had the contractions. And I just kept telling my husband, I was like, I can't do this. It's so painful. And he was like, you can do it. I know you can. And so he kept driving and the roads were muddy. And so then about 10 minutes later, I felt like I... Um, And I can't remember now because it just happened so fast. If I needed, I felt like if I needed to start pushing first or if my water broke first or if it happened at about the same time. But at 8.47, because I looked at the call log later on my cell phone, called, my husband called. Actually, I think he called through a little bit before that. He just said, hey, we're headed to town. And my wife, you know, her labor is getting a little bit more intense. And so then she actually started to drive to meet us on the gravel road instead of meeting us at the birth center. And yeah. Oh, like she knew that this was happening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she started to drive to meet us. And so then at 847 is when we called her because so all of a sudden I, my water broke as we're driving. So I soaked the front seat of the pickup and I actually, which is kind of silly. I was wearing a romper, which is probably not the best thing to wear when you're in labor, but So I remember my husband was on the phone with her and he was like, should she take her pants off? You know? And, and so I, eventually I took the, after my water broke and I was all wet Then I took the romper off and I guess backing up, there was a point before my water broke when I remember I felt like I was starting to bleed. And so I like reached down, I could feel that I felt that I was bleeding. And so that was the first sign of any blood was when we were in the pickup and then there was another point where I reached in and I actually could feel, feel the baby's head. And it was probably a couple inches still up the birth canal. It wasn't coming out yet, but it was definitely, I could feel it. And so I told my husband that. And I think that's probably when he decided to call the midwife to tell her that, you know, things were happening fast. So my water broke and we kept driving. And then that's when I think I started pushing because my water broke. And so we had her on speaker phone for a while, but like I said we don't have cell service so the call kept getting dropped and so then finally at 9:01 he got a hold of her again and by some miracle we were able to keep her on the line and we kept driving or he kept driving and I was just kind of laboring obviously and pushing in the front seat and then I remember a really feeling a really big push and I pushed the head out and I told my husband I said hey the head is out And so then he pulled over on the side of the road and he climbed over into the passenger side of the pickup and got in front of me. And my midwife was on the phone and she told me to get on all fours. But that just felt really awkward, like to be on all fours in the front seat of my pickup. And so my husband said, climb up your, you know, get up on the console. So I scooched myself up and picked myself up and sat on the console of the pickup so that I had some space, at least, you know, for the head. And so he's got in front of me. And I felt like I had to push again. And I had one big push and the baby came out and he put the baby up on my chest. And then I sat back down in the seat and the midwife, you know, was on the phone still. And she asked if the baby was breathing. And honestly, I like that wasn't even on my mind at the time. Like I had, it was just that immediate relief of I wasn't in pain anymore. And I just sat back and was just feeling good because I wasn't in pain anymore. And she looked a little bit blue and so we kind of, my midwife told me to rub her back vigorously. So I took my knuckles on her, her back, which at the time we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. So I was rubbing my knuckles across her back and she kind of made a little bit of noise. And so my midwife said, well, keep driving and I'll meet you. But she had gotten lost in the meantime, she had not taken the right road. So she was lost. Oh, But then... No. So then a few minutes later, we meet her on the road. She gets out and comes in and peeks in at us. And we had, like, we weren't planning for a roadside birth. And so we didn't have any towels or blankets or anything. So we had taken our coats and put them on top of the baby. And we cranked the heat up in the pickup as high as it would go. And so she pulled over and she just kind of opened the door and looked in and thought, you know, that my bleeding was, I wasn't bleeding a lot still. And so... And the baby looked okay. And so she said, I'll just meet you at the birth center. So then we drove the rest of the probably 15 miles to town. And at one point we thought, I said, well, should we look and see if it's a boy or a girl? And she was so covered in vernix and like so slippery that I kind of remember trying to pick her up. And it just felt like, I just felt like, oh, I don't want to even try that. So I put her back on my chest. So we drove all the way to town and we still didn't know if it was the boy or a girl. So then I texted my birth photographer and I said, hey, I had the baby in the pickup. And she said, do you still want me to come to the birth center? And I said, sure. And so she came to the birth center. So then she actually was waiting there when we got there. So she took pictures as we got out of the pickup. And my placenta, I never felt like it didn't come out while we were driving. I kind of like there was probably about 10 minutes while we were driving where I felt good. And then I started to feel a little bit uncomfortable, like contracting again. and then we got there and my midwife wrapped a blanket around me and the baby. And we walked into the birth center and then I delivered the placenta and we found out we were having a girl. And then that was it. We stayed there for a few hours and went home. Oh
0: my. I'm like, I think I'm having this like physical reaction to your story, Stacey. I'm like, I'm sweating and anticipation, but then I've got like goosebumps, you know, all over. But this whole time you're talking to you at the end, I'm like, well, like her, where's her placenta? I'm like, where, you know, I was thinking like you stood up and the birth photographer, like caught your placenta, like coming out of it. Okay. So you made it into the, because placenta is usually released within about five to 15 minutes. I mean, it can take up to 30 to 60 minutes, but like I would have assumed it would have released. So your placenta Mm -hmm. waited for you to at least get into the birth Wow. And so clearly your daughter is okay when babies are born that quickly and they can come out a little blue because their lungs don't get squeezed, you know, Mm -hmm. as much as they do if they're in the birth canal for a long time getting squeezed. And so that like vigorous rubbing can really help kind of perk them up and get them to kind of cough out um, some of that fluid that's in their lungs. Whoa, what a cool story. Oh my goodness. Do you have like the most incredible photos,
1: like from getting out of this
0: pickup truck?
1: We do have some pretty cool photos. I put them on my, uh, my website, but yeah, it was pretty. I mean, and everybody always asked us afterwards, like if, if I was scared or, you know, if I was freaked out and to be honest, there wasn't any time like to be nervous. Like my body just took over and I just was concentrating on that. I was in labor. There was never, it's kind of weird now to think about like, there was never a moment in my mind when I was like, Oh my gosh, we're going to have this baby in the pickup. It was just like, I'm having this baby and it didn't even really register that it might happen in the pickup. I think it maybe started to get a little bit more real for my husband when I you know, said I could feel the baby's head and that if we would make, you know, make it to town or not. And he kept driving and trying to get us there, but we were just too far. And so basically, like when we left our house at 8.20, my best guess of when I had her, I think was about 9.05 or 9.06. And I had told him, and the only reason I know that is because after I had had her and she was on my chest, I told my husband to take our picture. And so then I have the timestamp of our picture on my phone. So that was kind of how I guessed what time she was born.
0: Oh my gosh. I mean, it's just so fascinating. But it's just a really good reminder to all of us too that like, I mean, there's this term that's like free birth, you know, I mean, which is essentially what you had, you know, like it was just you and your husband delivering your baby. But that like, most of the time birth is not an emergency. It's just this natural thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Stacy, promise me if you have a fourth baby, you're going to have a
1: home. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, right.
0: I'm like, I think the part of your story that made me the most nervous was the cell coverage gravel road problem. I was like, oh, how do we get her off the gravel road and get the cell phone to be working You know, (laughs) and all of these things. So you said at the birth center, right? You just go home within a few hours. So did they just deliver your placenta and you just chilled for a little bit and then went home?
1: Yeah. So we delivered the placenta and we didn't know what we wanted to name her. We had gone into the birth with two, a boy name and a girl name. But then the day of the, when I had her, then we kind of were, I think we just decided we didn't really like our the girl name we had picked anymore. So we actually went home without her being named. But so I took a shower and they made us breakfast and just hung out there and let her breastfeed for a while. And then when I felt ready to go, I think we left around um, one o'clock. And we had gotten there at like 9.30 and then we went home and the kids stayed at my in-laws house for a few hours and they brought them over at about six that night, just so we could kind of rest a little bit at our house. So it was all a pretty crazy day from basically, I felt like I probably started going into labor at 5.30 that morning and then had her a little after nine that morning. Oh, that is just, it is so crazy. Now tell me, what are
0: the names of your three children?
1: My son is Rhett with an R and then my daughter, second daughter is Allie. And then our baby is Nora.
0: Oh, what beautiful names. What beautiful names. I love it. Those are great names. Wink, wink. Anyone who's listening who hasn't decided on their names. Well, before we hang up, Stacy, I want you to share with the audience what your favorite baby product has been. You know, I'll link it in the show notes so that if someone's building their registry right now, they can add your favorite baby
1: product to their registry. My favorite baby product, which I wish I had gotten with my first pregnancy, so if anyone is pregnant with their first, is a Solly baby wrap. And I actually was hesitant to my first pregnancy. It looked daunting and overwhelming to try and wrap a baby. Like that seemed like something I wouldn't be able to do. So I just didn't even get one because I thought there's no way I'll be able to do this. But my third pregnancy or my third time I had this baby, I got a wrap, the Solly baby wrap. And it's been really amazing, especially with having two other kids that I can wrap her up and she'll take a nap in it. And so it was really helpful, especially the first two months when she just wanted to be held all the time. So I would definitely recommend The Wrap to a first-time mom, second, or third.
0: Awesome. Me too. They are so, so soft. So we will link Mm -hmm. to the Solly Baby Wrap in the show notes. And then, Stacey, would you be open to the audience reaching out to you if they have any questions about your births or birthing at a birth center in Montana? Sure, of course. Cool. How do we get a hold of you?
1: My Instagram is at Stacey Bronick. So it's S T A C Y B as in boy, R O N as in Nancy, EC. Or you can find me on my website at StaceyBronick.com.
0: Thank you, Stacey. It's been an incredible morning just sharing your stories and learning all about them. I was really excited for this episode because we've just got that like link with Montana. And of course, mm-hmm. hearing about anyone delivering in a pickup truck, like, was just really fascinating. I loved learning from you, especially about preterm labor. And I hope that our audience will connect with you. Thank you for reaching out and for being on the Birth Story podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go. And that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like.